do it, Danny. Welcome back to Two Real Witches. I'm here with my opulent co-host, Oak. And I'm here with my dazzling co-host, Danny. And today we are tackling and or going to be pummeled by the maybe overly ambitious topic of deity worship with this abundance of overconfidence that we have. So let's dive into it. <laughs> let's do it. I mean, this is the perfect topic to follow our first episode, which was about our Faith 5 podcast. And now we're going to go into the clear transition of God's. So let's talk about, you know, why are we kind of <laughs> digging into what might be a really giant topic to kind of take on in a first episode um, as we're going through the show notes. I think it's abundantly clear to both of us that um, this is kind of a really big topic, but I think for us, both of us being in an outer court, this is really repurposing a way of us exploring this topic um, because for us, from a religious standpoint, this is where you start. Uh, this is kind of where you start, where if you're starting from kind of a secular point. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about tools. Let's let's talk about manifestation. Let's talk about meditation. But um, if we're coming from a religious standpoint, this is really what, what makes the most sense maybe. So um, this is witchcraft to Wicca, that, that transition um, into being a God-centric religion. Um, from a practitioner standpoint, this really is step one. This is learning about the gods, developing a relationship. This is what the religion's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously we are making space for the fact that there are a lot of practicing witches who practice witchcraft and wouldn't call themselves Wiccan. Uh, and that's valid. And there are a lot of practicing witches who are not Wiccan and also worship gods. And that's valid too. Mm -hmm. And we are starting from the place of practicing witches who are Wiccan and who work with Wiccan gods. Um, and yeah, God's the, the reason for the season. Yeah. Um, so why don't we dive into why are we or aren't we qualified to kind of have this humongous discussion? We are not. I, <laughs> we are not qualified. Uh, I did not go to school for theology. Wish I could have, would have, maybe will. But yeah, we're not qualified. These are just our personal um, ideas and experiences that, you know, um, so yeah, we're not. <laughs> that, I love that we just approached that from a very like, yeah, well, no. Um, yeah, we are, you know, we're seekers on a traditional path. Uh, our experience with the gods is really our own. At this point, I wouldn't say that either of us are experts in any way, shape or form. Um, and this is just kind of our personal gnosis. Um, so what we plan to cover today is kind of info, the how and when, um, some of our personal point of views and like personal applications. Um, and then we'll probably save for another episode more of our things around history and debating problematic aspects and kind of um, sharing some more in-depth point of our practices. Yeah, love that. We were, full disclosure, we tried to make this one episode and then we realized how foolish we were being. Okay, so we are going to segment this into two topics and uh, two episodes, um, but we are not going to cover, even in the second episode, we're not going to go that deep into um, history. Obviously, this is a topic that is deep and wide enough to have been a you know multi-year 
uh, academic practice. And, and we're kind of skimming the top that we find relevant for the conversation, um, but we will be covering some deeper hot takes and some d- deeper historical points in episode two. But this episode is going to be all about kind of entry-level info and um, the what and the how, and we'll kind of discover the why and the what if in episode two. All right, well, let's get into it then. Um, We're going to go into all of our kind of functional terms of gods and deities and pantheons and patrons, um, not patron, not not me. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a point of contention. You're like, yes, not that. Don't do, don't say that. Um, so let's start with just some fun facts. So there are at least eighteen thousand different gods, goddesses, and various animals, objects that have been worshipped kind of throughout time by humans. Um, so I think it's really important that we kind of break these down to base terms so that we're all working with the same functional vocabulary. So um, gods worshipped entity that has control or power of its own. Um, and Oak, I think you have a really important point here about gods versus creators. Yeah, I, I think we, um, if you grew up in a Christian um, society, like every American that I know did, uh, <laughs> you can often equate the idea of God Uh, singular as God, the creator. And when we're talking about gods, we're talking about any of these pantheons in a polyistic point of view. Um, We're not necessarily saying that the God is the creator of the cosmos. Um, We're talking about pantheons, not necessarily cosmology. So um, we're not (laughs) justifying how the earth was created or how the universe was created. We're we're really talking about these entities um, completely agnostic of that topic. Awesome. Yeah. And then we'll also use the term deity and gods generally interchangeably, but we do want to make sure that you functionally know kind of what is the difference between those two things. So a deity would really be any supernatural entity and gods do fall under that umbrella. So gods, goddesses, all under that umbrella. Um, The word itself means divine in nature. Um, And we could say nature itself is divine, right? So um, deity is not necessarily just gods. It, it can encompass really any of these supernatural entities that are recognized in cultures all over the world, all throughout history. Um, and gods are just one aspect of that. Sure. Yeah. And then when we're talking about pantheons, we're talking about really the gods of the people. We're talking about a collection of deities, if you will. Also, pantheons, as I was kind of diving into this topic, is also a term that we use to reference a temple dedicated to gods. Uh, But in this instance, we're seeing pantheon, we're seeing a system of uh, gods and their lore. Yeah, and there are tons of different pantheons from tons of different cultures and lore, um, ranging from African to Slavic and so on and so on and so on. You could Wikipedia um, the end of this to the end of time. Um, So (laughs) we won't be going in depth to like individual pantheons because that would also be a lifelong endeavor. Um, But just so you know, there are so many different pantheons out there when we're talking about um, systems of belief and systems of lore. um, And you don't necessarily have to be tied to just one. Um, And we, they aren't always necessarily describing just gods. Um, It's important members of those lore um, and from the culture area. But for the purposes of this episode, we're going to be talking about 
the gods of those pantheon. So just the last topic that we would like to create some definition around would be the word patron. Um, patron is often referring to, if we're talking in a secular sense, a person who gives financial um, or other support to another person or an organization or a cause. Uh, when we're using it in the magical sense, we're often referring to us uh, working with a designated god or goddess, or anything in between. Um, it is not necessary for us to leverage the word matron as like a feminine version of patron. Um, patron is <laughs> a fine enough uh, term to cover both gods and goddesses and anything in between. And then I think we'll jump into kind of how do you connect with the gods? So how do you, how do you initiate that relationship? Yeah, yeah. So um, getting to know them, obviously, there's a number of different ways to approach the topic. Um, I like to often start with the associations. So uh, I think you actually made a really good point, Danny, that often when we're getting to know gods, maybe we could create an analogy that we are starting to date them. So we might dive into, you know, who are they? What are they into? Um, so finding associations, right? This could be uh, something around like, what element are they? Are they a fiery deity? Are they a watery deity? Maybe what color would represent them? Is there a certain smell? Um, is there an herb or a tree? Uh, even a temperature, right? Are they hot? Are they cold? Are they comforting? You could also even go into places like, you know, what is their planetary connection? Like what planet would you connect them with? This is a common um, idea in astrology. You could also even think about them from the standpoint of like, if they had a birth chart, what would be their sun sign? What would be their rising sign? Uh, well, where would their moon? Be? We could also talk about, you know, what foods do you associate with them? Uh, what would be their ideal uh, place to live? Maybe it's part of their culture. Maybe there's just a place that really embodies their energy. And this goes on and on, right? I really love the idea of like, what song do they love? So that's one way to get to know them. Another way is to kind of zoom out and get a little bit deeper and, and try to understand, is there a lesson that they are presenting in their lore, in their um, myths? Uh, is there like a philosophy or point of view that they represent? Um, we could see someone like Odin, for instance, representing the magical aspects of the world and kind of this enchanting process of um, being able to take control over all of your interactions and not be at the mercy of your fate, but rather tap into uh, being able to you know, be really silver-tongued and potentially manipulate people. But in all, you know, you're taking responsibility for your actions and you're taking responsibility for your realities. You're not waiting for things to happen. So maybe that's the point of view or the lesson of philosophy that Odin has. Uh, what are some ways that you uh, connect with your guts, Danny? Yeah. So I think a few methods that we could kind of go with is um, first, just research, right? So if you're coming at this from the perspective of not having a lot of basis, not having a lot of background, um, always start with research, identifying a kind of theme or thread or um, something that you identify with. Um, I think there are so many gods and goddesses out there that kind of have these aspects that we relate to them. So if one of those is is more enticing to you or um, is more important to you in your mundane life, um, connecting to those and then selecting that deity to petition um, or looking into your own history. So um, there's a lot of, you know, where, where am I from? Where is my culture from? Um, and then looking into the lore of that culture and connecting to the goddesses, the gods that are connected to that culture. 
Um, I know not everybody has that benefit. Not everybody knows their family history. Um, Mm -hmm. So if that's not an option available to you, then um, letting deity find you. Um, This method is not always effective, however. um, And this is more for those that are not specifically looking for deity worship. So if you're like, this is important to me and I I want to petition a God, this is the very less direct way route. This is the, uh, if we're dating, this is the come chase me, um, method. Um, and it, and it's not always <laughs> effective. I would say it's the least effective of the three, but, um, it is an option if you're like, Oh, I just don't really want to like throw them all in a hat and pick one. Um, there's also the, the seeing what speaks to you and what comes to you. Yeah. Love that. I think we could also <clears throat> transition now into like how, once you have researched a God, once you have gotten to know them and you understand their culture and their point of view and all of those associations and how they connect with potentially your um, history and your ancestors, um, you know, how do we actually make that connection or how do we go on that maybe first date, if I continued with that analogy? <laughs> and um, I have uh, personally, in my own personal practice, um, created a ritual for this. I found that quite effective. So as an example, casting a circle, uh, then maybe you identify your name, uh, calling them by their names and by all the association that you created for them, uh, maybe telling their story a little bit, um, then you could invite them in. Next in this ritual, I would describe the ways in which I would worship them so they could recognize the forms of worship that I'm creating and why I'm doing that. And then maybe also kind of create some terms of engagement. So describe how you want them to involve themselves in your life. Um, At that point in this ritual of connection, I would also probably create some offerings and uh, give the offerings at that point with intention. Um, I could perform some type of like divination to confirm whether or not they're like into (laughs) me to see like, (laughs) are we vibing? Are you into this? And, and then finally I could thank them for coming, um, saying something along the lines of, you know, stay, if you will leave, if you must, that's a go-to ritual line for deity. And then you could close circle. So just as an example, here are some steps that you could use that I personally have used uh, to connect with deity in a ritual setting. But there's a lot of other ways to call in gods, obviously, but just as one go-to example. Yeah. And now we can talk about um, the actual, I guess, act of worship. So when we talk about worshiping the gods, you know, when are we worshiping them? Why are we worshiping them? Um, when is that time? that we're doing that. And so there are some different methods that you can use for this. And so one of those is being time-based. So that can be astrologically based on lunar phases, solar phases, um, planetary transitions. Um, So for instance, if Mercury's in retrograde, maybe you're going to work with Mercury. Um, Weekly, you know, you could say, okay, every Sunday I'm going to do something. That's essentially the tenet of the Christian religion, right? We go to church on Sunday Mm -hmm. and that's when we, we do our worship. Um, Daily, you know, if this is something that maybe you're working small practices in, um, again, don't overexert yourself, which is, but, um, you know, if it's something that you're going to put into a daily practice for yourself, a wheel of the year or season. So maybe on a particular Sabbath, um, that's when you're honoring a, a specific deity or maybe just every Sabbath, just putting something into your celebration that is specifically for them. And then we also have seasons. So if your deity is specifically attuned to one season, whether that's autumn or summer, or again, just kind of knowing their temperament and knowing kind of their history, maybe you do something really special in that season to honor them. 
And then you can also have things like morning greetings, um, evening salutations. You know, maybe it's it's something you do do daily, but it's at a specific time of the day because that specific time of the day is important to that deity specifically. And then we also have maybe a specific time of the day. Maybe, you know, they're associated with noon. So at noon is when you take your lunch every day and, and you commune with, with your gods. Um, and then we even have things like during menstruation. So if that goddess probably is more suited for menstruation, maybe during that week time, that's when you're really like connected and in the zone um, with that goddess where the other three weeks or so of the month, you're just kind of doing your own thing. But then when you hit that menstruation week, you know, that's their time. I love that. I just had this <laughs> vision pop in my head uh, of venerating uh, God during your menstruation. I think that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly <laughs> goddess. That makes that's the best association. That sense. <laughs> um, I don't know of yeah, any gods. It, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, which one would connect with menstruation? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, you could also, you know, time would be one trigger. Another trigger could be um, your behaviors that you have throughout your life um, while you're doing these things. You could also use that time to connect with uh, worshiping God. So. There's a classic example of this, of food blessings, right? So when you sit down to eat, you could call on your god or goddess to bless your foods. Um, Whenever you're doing meditations, um, obviously that's a classic time. Um, But anytime you have even like hygiene rituals, so maybe your morning shower or anytime you wash your hands, maybe you'll connect with a goddess like Hygiena. That would be a great goddess, right? For hand washing. <laughs> um, whenever you're working out, uh, this is one of my favorite things is to um, connect with deity and have some mindfulness uh, when you're lifting weights um, and sweating. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or you could you could connect with deity uh, prior to sleep, maybe when you're traveling, or obviously you know your coven meetings. That could also be a time. So there could be behavioral triggers that you connect with uh, God worship. What else? Um, I think also when you're in need, right? So why are we facilitating this relationship? Um, And it's typically because we want to create this relationship with deity because we, um, you know, are are drawing from that energy. And so when you're in need, when when you need their guidance, when you need their assistance, when you want their favor, um, that would be a time to connect and, and really develop ritual or develop practice around how will you ask for that? You know, how, how do we ask and, and give and get for that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no shame in that game, right. Of like asking when you're in need for something from a God or goddess that you work with, ideally you already have a relationship built, so it's not transactional in nature. Um, however, there isn't really any right or wrong. There's not a kind of moralistic viewpoint that like, Oh, if you ask for something when you're in need, then that's um, trivial or, or maybe somehow, um, like I said, transactionally, I think that it's totally cool. <laughs> like when you're in need, yeah, that's when you, that's when you mm-hmm. ask for things. Yeah. Cool. So we've kind of talked about the when part. Um, we can also talk about the how, right? Like how would we actually um, do these worships? Uh, worships. I don't know why I pluralized that. When would you do the <laughs> worship of the gods? <laughs> yeah. And so um, there is this a lovely acronym that Oak put together for us because that <gasps> is oak in a nutshell, um, for pro. So <laughs> the first one is praise. So um, that would really be... I think we've talked about like communing with the gods, not in a way that is necessarily sacrificial, but is more of like enjoying the space and time together, doing something that you enjoy. Um, that could be 
singing, painting, writing, journaling, um, telling stories. You know, if you're a great orator, you know, telling this, this story, telling their story, um, decorating, um, building an altar space, building, you know, something to them, for them, um, dancing, crafting, Hey, partying, you know, there are quite a few <laughs> party gods out there, you know, so in enjoying that time and space, um, with them as opposed to for them. And continuing with the acronym of pro cleaning your altar space, cleaning your, your, your worship space, um, anything that requires effort, right? So cleaning, lifting weights, cooking, having sex. Could I, could I say that? Mm -hmm. uh, all mm -hmm. of those things <laughs> could be ways of, of worshiping deity. Cool. Okay. Well, um, now that we've had a pretty comprehensive list of, um, you know, how do we connect with the gods? Uh, how do we call on the gods as an example of ritual? Um, how do we worship the gods? Uh, whether it's, you know, triggered based on time or um, how do we do that with, you know, praise, ritual or offering. We could also, uh, I guess, share a little bit about our own personal practices if you wanted to do that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So you go through yours. Sure. Yeah. So for me, so the, the deity that I connect with directly is Owen or Olun, if you're Welsh and into that. Um, but for me, I don't have like a specific altar space for her, my, she is just part of my regular altar space. So I have items on my altar that are specifically signifiers of her because she is really a part of all the things that I decide to do in that space. Um, and, but mostly the way that I connect to her is through mid-level meditation. So, um, I have mentally developed a space where we meet. Um, and so that space is really meant to invite her. There are things in that space that are specific signifiers of her. Um, so being a sun goddess, I have aspects of the sun in there being someone associated with white clovers. Um, I have a ring of white clovers kind of in that encircling space, the space where we meet. Um, and then it really is as a meditative space. Um, now that's not to say you couldn't create that physical space. I could totally go in my backyard and plant a circle of white clovers and, and create that space. But um, it really is one of those things where we connect um, in a mental way. We create connect in a meditative way. And so that's where I meet her. I um, that. that sounds so inviting, yeah. your little astral uh, temple for her. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it was the way I was first introduced to her. And so it seems, you know, when, when a deity extends a preference, um, I think you should follow that through. And so um, the way I have connected with her is in meditative states. And so that's where we meet. Um, so I'm, I'm creating that inviting space, not in a physical form necessarily, but, but in a mental form. And then correspondence work for petitioning is, is one of the other ways, you know, so really diving into like what, is deity your deity known for? What are they recorded as enjoying? Um, and then what has your experience with them alerted you to, right? So my experience is that she likes to be reached in this meditative state, in this place, in the space where I kind of wipe the slate clean of all of her other thoughts and what's going on and really come to this space with something I want to talk about, something I want to review, something I want to kind of mentally run the gamut of. Um, and then she comes into that space and really helps me um, in those times where I'm having a hard time kind of choosing a course of action, um, because that is one of the things that I have known her for. And that is kind of known for in her lore is that 
she's pretty straight to the point and direct and nope, this is what we're doing. And this is the plan of action. So um, that is how I experience her. So that is the correspondence that we have. Um, but then also things like I do have white clover planted for her. Um, I do have, because she is very wise, um, I do have a little owl piggy bank that I use um, non-traditional forms, monetary forms. So on days when I need to make a decision or handle a tough or sensitive situation, um, I will feed my little piggy bank um, with one of those non-traditional forms of currency. And then that's really like Hey, you know, I need some guidance today. I, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need you to really help direct my thoughts in a way that helps me take decisive action. That's awesome. And Thank then, you for being so specific and sharing exactly, you know, how you're doing those things. I think a lot of people talk about God or goddess worship and and maybe feel the need to keep their practice to themselves. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think we talked about before we started that it's not necessary to be so secretive when it, you're talking about God or goddess worship, because um, it is not as if you're, this is a spell. That's a one-off that you're going to somehow uh, minimize the impact of, right? It's not about like, by sharing this, we're not lessening your connection uh, with your goddess, right? We are actually maybe strengthening it because we're putting more um, energy, more thought behind it. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank, thank you for being so specific. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like breathing into the name, you know, and Olin is one of those that doesn't have a ton of lore, at least not specifically about her. She actually shows up very little in her own myth. And so, um, you know, by, by talking about your deity, not necessarily converting you right to my way of thinking, but we're speaking energy into that deity. Right. And and that's probably something we'll talk about in the next episode is like, where did the gods come from? You know, what is our belief on, on how that works? And um, I just kind of believe that the more that we talk about them, the more that we share our experience, that is also a form of veneration. And that's how we kind of breathe totally. more life into them, um, breathe more energy into them. Um, and then also I have here is, for me, working with deity, less is more. I'm very busy. Um, I have a lot going on at work. I have a lot going on in my personal life. Uh, I have just a lot of different avenues of things that I'm taking up. And so um, for me, it's about what can I reasonably upkeep? Um, and consistency is key, right? If we're talking about building a relationship, it shouldn't be one of those things that, okay, well, I've contacted and I've, I've petitioned a deity and now I don't speak to them for months. Um, I enjoy this deity. I want them to work with me, but I don't find ways to honor them on a regular basis. So for me, it's about the consistency of the upkeep of that relationship um, and not, you know, ghosting your deity. Uh, okay. Okay. I hear you talking to me directly. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So um, I think you are such a um, realistic person. You're so good at um, being consistent and like not biting off more than you can chew. Um, and I think that 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 is admirable. I have definitely <laughs> in the past uh, bitten off more than I could chew. And um, <laughs> yes, and, and so that consistency, I do believe actually creates the most powerful connection. Um, but at the same time, it's like, 
if you forget, like just pick up where you left off. It is totally okay for you to fall off the uh, deity wagon <laughs> and pick back up. Um, I, and I'm saying that probably mostly for myself. Um, but yeah, I think as we probably mature in our practice, we realize that consistency is probably more valuable than picking something that's large. And you can always build, right? This is kind of like working of course. out. It's, it's like, it's more important about what you do every day than what you do once in a while. So doing something yeah. small um, and using those time triggers um, to remind yourself to keep that continual connection is, is super valuable. Yeah. 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 You're aspirational. You're so good at being consistent. It's, it's a struggle it. of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and like you said, it's buildable, right? So maybe you start small and then once that's part of your regular routine, once that's very normative for you, then you can build upon it. But I think sometimes, you know, people want to take on especially sacrificial things. And I guess that's my second point is what do you actually enjoy doing, right? Don't commit to doing something for your deity mm -hmm. that you don't like, right? Like, why would I take up playing an instrument I don't enjoy because it happens to be the instrument they're associated with? I think there's value in sacrifice. Absolutely. Um, and especially in things that you want to learn or that you're willing to learn, but I don't necessarily think there is value in doing something that you hate. Um, mm -hmm. I would even argue that the negative energy that you put into that thing actually doesn't contribute to your relationship and doesn't contribute to that energy in a meaningful or buildable way. I would actually say it probably detracts from that relationship that you hate this energy you're putting into a thing. Um, and so, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it also depends on like the frequency. If you're doing it one time, you hate it but you're doing it as a sacrifice, then that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it consistently, something you hate, then right. that's not uh, probably even what the deities want you to do. So there, there's mm -hmm. probably a version of this where you could, you know, there's some painful thing, like uh, maybe it's, you don't love cooking, but you're going to force yourself to cook one time for this deity. Like, that's great. But mm -hmm. if you're going to ask yourself to <laughs> cook every night and you hate doing that, then like, that's not productive because you probably are going to not be consistent at it. So it probably feeds back into the consistency thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and if, if you're going to start that cooking thing again, start small, maybe it's once a week. And then mm -hmm. as that skill gets better, you will probably enjoy it more when you're like kind of good at it. Um, so you know, don't commit to something that you absolutely hate. Um, be willing to try things and then say, oh, I don't think that's for me. Um, and start with something that's buildable. Don't start, you know, with I'm going to do something crazy in my backyard every weekend um, and then realize that that's just not something that consistently you can hold on to. And then I think also yeah. thinking about what talents do you already have to give? Right. And that's where we get back into that praise um, and, and maybe something that you enjoy doing that you can use to venerate your gods. So um, what talents do you already possess that align with those correspondences that align with um, what you know about your gods, the relationship that you've built with them that you can already tap into? Um, maybe while you're developing some of these other talents, maybe while you're learning some of these other skills, what do you already have to give? Um, you know, let's not shoot for the moon and then land back here on earth because we didn't even get our, to what we actually wanted to get to. Let's really think about what do we have to give? Just like we are thinking about what do the gods have to give to us? Again, it's building that relationship. It's that give and take. It's the natural kind of phenomenon of um, 
building relationship and, and being really honest with ourselves about what do we offer to this relationship um, and what skills do we maybe need to grow in and what skills can we maybe get better at? So for my deity worship, um, currently I work with Hestia. Um, and so, I mean, it's not a talent necessarily, but it is something that I can do. Um, you know, I've, I've done some um, kind of like art projects uh, for Hestia in order to connect with her as a uh, like home decoration. She's very much connected um, with home. So me having something that represents her um, specifically actually in my kitchen, um, it, it actually helps to trigger me into some of my behaviors. But the act of creating that piece was in and of itself um, a form of worship. And it started off as praise and maybe it turned into <laughs> sacrifice because it took so long. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was there. It was there. It, and I finished it. So I'm happy about that. Um, yeah. But another way that I um, worship Hestia is uh, through food and drink. Um, she was... Um, connected with the hearth and with even kind of like a city or a town's um, fire and, and their um, city shared kind of hearth, if you will. Uh, and so food and drink was a major offering. They would often offer the best and offer the first um, offering to Hestia before honoring any of the other gods. Uh, so it's something that I think about quite often, especially uh, food and drink that I find to be special. Um, so I'm certainly not necessarily giving every meal, but the ones that I spend time cooking or the ones that I specifically like. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wine, for instance, would be absolutely something that would be um, a great offering for her because it is um, special enough for her. Um, and then um, maintaining altars. Um, I've actually... I'm finishing a renovation of my kitchen. And so um, there is absolutely a space that will uh, be a altar that I maintain for her on one of my kitchen counters um, near my hearth. And so maintaining a altar for her and even I think the process of um, renovating the kitchen and um, creating a beautiful space that I can worship her in is, I think, meaningful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, she loves a nice kitchen. <laughs> She's into this. Don't we um, all? <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, that altar too is going to be, you know, it's going to have things on it that have association with her, um, like citrine and um, some veiling. Um, she was really known to have um, yeah. veils, uh, but I can go into that more. And another way that I just recently kind of um, started to give her some offer is through praise is like uh, creating songs around her and her, uh, her lore. I won't punish everyone by singing it, but it creating um, <laughs> chants um, for me, chanting is something that helps me get into a meditative state. And so doing this while walking, for instance, is um, uh, a way that, so the walk is the trigger and the chanting is a form of praise. And so um, it's a very easy thing for me to do that I think is quite meaningful. Uh, being in a wooded, isolated place, uh, singing a goddess's name out loud. I think uh, she's really into that. <laughs> I think I think it's impressive and I think it brings her to the yard. So. That is awesome. <laughs> no, I love that. I love yeah, that. I'm like yeah. picturing you like wandering in the woods, being very witchy, yeah. humming Hestia. I mean, I'm walking my dog, Let's, <laughs> but I am singing to Hestia, so. <laughs> it wasn't that cute, that. but it, 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 was, it was special. I liked it, yeah. Nice, <laughs> um, nice. So 
So we've gone through, you know, all of the definitions that we would use around deity worship and, you know, different terms. Um, we've talked about um, how we would uh, actually approach the gods and get to know them, how we would call on them, how we would worship them and kind of share our own practices. Um, yeah. So thanks, Danny. Like I said, again, for being so specific with your practice and sharing, I think the specificity is really helpful to inspire others, certainly inspires me. Yeah, yeah. And so we will definitely pick up on this um, in the next episode, more about kind of the emotional side of this, more about the um, a little bit of the do's and don'ts, um, more about the kind of our thoughts on DD worship on a, maybe a little bit of a deeper level, less of this like surface how to what is level, um, more mm-hmm. of like the what if and, and what will be. Um, but for this episode, I think we can close it out. What are you thinking? Yep. I'm feeling satisfied. (laughs) All right. So um, as always, witches, blessed be and be well, and we'll follow up with you next episode. Bye.